Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Today, I'm talking with our new team members of Classical Musicians Roundtable. And I want to get started by having you each introduce yourselves. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and then one thing you love about yourself. And we're going to start with Ben. Um, hello, everyone. Hello, Alex. Uh, I'm Ben. Um, I'm a cellist and a conductor, usually. Uh, lately, I have been back home in Chicago, where I'm from, uh, with my family and some friends here. Um, one thing that I love about myself, uh, which I shared with all y'alls at our recent uh, meeting, is I think that I am good at being vulnerable uh, and open, especially about mental health things um, with people that I don't really know. So I like that about myself. Great. Kevin, you're next. Hi, everybody. I'm Kevin Bufana. I am an oboist, and I also work uh, in nonprofit in development and fundraising with the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestras. Um, and I grew up in the Chicago area, and I currently live in Chicago, which is awesome. Um, and I guess one thing that I love about myself is like, I have a, I, I, I feel like I'm good at making people feel comfortable and like, making sure that they feel safe and in some situations uh, they feel that they can confide in me in certain situations. So I feel like I can do that. <laughs> Having confided in you, I will definitely vouch for that. <laughs> Alex. Hello, my name is also Alex. Um, I'm a bassoonist and currently a public music school or music teacher, public school music teacher. Um, teaching general music, so the little ones. Um, and I'm from Massachusetts, but came out here for school a few years ago. Um, Cape Cod, if anyone knows where that is, that's where all my hometown people are. Um, yeah, so I'm out here teaching now in the, in the Chicago area, and I'm in school, like live with the kids right now during COVID, for now, and doing a lot of this work um, with CMRT. And one thing I love about myself is, you know, it's interesting. I think we're all on the same page. I am highly empathetic, which just creates a, um, a connection with people pretty instantly to be able to like lean in and have hard conversations and be really present with them because I'm unable to be there with them emotionally, um, which is a blessing and a curse in this business because there's a lot of empathy involved in doing what we do. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'm gonna start with Kevin this time. What made you interested in CMRT and what kind of brought you here? Um, well, uh, honestly, I'm really good friends with you and the other co-founders, uh, Laura specifically. And um, when I found out about the work that you guys were doing, and I saw it in action, I think, of the very first Zoom meeting you guys had, I got to see all of that happen in action and see how beneficial and how beneficial it was for us to all kind of like commiserate and talk about like our, our experiences with mental health and the music world. Um, and so to see that and to see that in action, like, I think especially specifically coming from an experience where like I felt alone in these situations and I felt like I couldn't really talk about it. 
um, because it's a quote-unquote sign of weakness, um, to find people and to have that safe space is like so important. And so I wanted to get involved because like, who wouldn't want to like help create safe spaces for all of the, uh, for people that need it, you know? <laughs> um, so when you guys asked me, I jumped on it because I am just as passionate about it as you guys are. We're happy to have you. Alex, what made you interested in CMRT and what brought you here? Yeah, so um, I've actually been doing this nonprofit work for a little while. Um, I lost my young cousin to suicide in 2016, and that was in Massachusetts, and that um, caused me to jump into this world in a really big way. So more advocacy, more education programs, and pushing for um, just, these, the, just to have these conversations. And that was a really big shift for me as someone in the classical music world, high stress, a lot of my own um, mental illness struggles, dealing with them, like Kevin said, really privately, because there's all kind of guilt, all kinds of guilt and shame that come with these, um, with with mental health struggles. And then you add the performative aspect on it, um, and the professional, the professionalism that is expected for musicians from a young age, right? Um, I think we all were pretty mature when it came to performing, right? Like by 17, I, I knew how to schmooze, like real, real young, right? Um, so with that, it meant that I, I was not comfortable talking about these things at all. So having that background and then having the, this huge trauma in my life, it meant like, okay, I can't be silent anymore. And through starting those conversations, specifically around suicide, I realized how many other people were in the exact same position I was. Having these issues, keeping them silent and hurting alone. And like suddenly by opening up and, and, and saying the word suicide out loud, people I've known my entire life were like, yeah, actually I lost my brother. Didn't even know they had a brother. Or yeah, my second grade teacher like last year when they were in high school, right? And, and there was this 80-year-old man who I'd known my whole life, and he had lost his aunt when he was a little kid, and he hadn't told anyone, and he was 80. So through that work and seeing how badly people wanted to talk about these things, I have just been trying to constantly have these conversations. And with CMRT, it's obviously a huge world, right? And tons of people who are struggling um, are, are also not having these conversations because very few people are. And it's so necessary and so needed it's because of that professionalism and that extra guilt and shame that comes with it. So to be able to take my own passions and the work that I've been doing the last few years and combine it with a community that really needs it and one that I feel deeply connected to as a classical musician is just like the perfect combination. That's so great. Thank you. Ben, what brought you here? Um, yeah, I really I identify with a lot of, uh, of what Alex and Kevin have said. Um, I mean, mental health awareness and thinking about it in terms of myself has, has like always been part of my life. I started you know, my 
first time sort of struggling with anxiety was like in third grade and it has been you know just the constant thing that you deal with and and relate to for my whole life um, and when i got to uh i think college when i was really around a lot of musicians uh, i started realizing how when you open this subject up with people so frequently they have so much to say about it because they have so many experiences with it and and so frequently they're so grateful that like oh my god it's okay to talk about this let me open up and and say what i need to say and share my experience um you know it's it's this thing that sort of as alex said you know everyone if they don't if they don't relate to it personally they know 15 people who do um it's this you know such a deep shared experience that no one knows they share with everyone um so that has been a, a really strong motivating factor to to get involved more with it with cmrt um also recently um a, a really sad uh event in in our community with the passing of a really close friend of mine um also from suicide uh which uh made me really want to you know do whatever can be done to help other people who are suffering and struggling um and and make it as better as we can so that's what led me here thank you all that's fantastic um i'm so happy selfishly to have you all on this team i feel like i have really great like background stories with each of you um so this is really exciting for me too um so kind of going along Ben, with what you were saying about, you know, doing what can be done, what are kind of your own visions and goals for CMRT? What do you hope to accomplish? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a, this is a great question and a great conversation. Um, one of the things that has been so gratifying about it already in the short time that I have been involved with this organization is, uh, just having the conversation goes so far. Um, that is so important. And if at the end of the day, what we have accomplished is allowing people to feel like they can sit down with people that they're close to and open up about what they're feeling and thinking and experiencing and to know that, you know, that they will not be judged or demonized or thought worse of because of it, um, I think just that would be such an amazing thing to bring to the world. Um, and I really, and I think that's what we're doing. And I love that. And I can't wait to do more. Thank you. Let's go to Kevin. What are some of your visions and goals for CMRT? Sure. I mean, I think Ben pretty much touched on this issue that we have in the music world where people just don't talk about it like it's like it, and we there's like we i think alex talked uh, touched on this too like there's a certain shame uh associated with oh man i feel i'm like freaking out about x thing or i had an anxiety attack because of a, a lesson that i'm going to have and i don't really know who to talk to about it like it's it's so important to just like not feel alone, you know? And there have been several situations, especially in the time that we live in now, where like, especially being like 
confined in your own home or going on walks by yourself like I keep telling for everybody that's listening like Alex Hoffman and I live really close to each other now she just moved and we talk about we text each other all the time to just say I'm so happy you live so close by because like just like feeling that community is so important and I think that's something that I've seen in a lot of these meetings that we've had recently where it's like to just commiserate and to talk about our experiences and to validate those experiences because too often if you were to talk to a teacher about it or talk to someone in in the music world about it it can be sometimes invalidated um to validate those experiences is just so incredible and so i think like there's a if i'm like going back to the question that you asked where of where like what are my hopes for cmrt it's to change the culture and to normalize like taking care of yourself um, because uh, the relationship that a lot of us have with music comes from a very healthy place but it can quickly turn into something unhealthy and we don't talk about that risk enough um, and so to even talk about that more and to like just normalize like struggling for musicians in this respect, I think is so, so, so important. Yeah, so that's where, that's where I am at. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I, I am really happy that you live so close. It's so nice uh, to just be like, hey, I'll be there in 10 minutes. And just to be able to walk to your place is super awesome. Um, Alex, what are your visions and goals for CMRT? Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad we're a team because y'all, everything you're saying is like, mm, yes, snaps. Um, so for me, again, like with the work that I've already been doing, um, it's a lot of the same things, but specifically pertaining to the classical music world. So um, for my family's group, for the other nonprofit, um, one of the biggest things that we're doing um, besides offering grief support to families who have lost someone to suicide is encouraging courageous conversations, which is important across the board. Absolutely. When we're talking about things that are hard and scary and yucky and there's so much stigma attached to it, all of these, every time we, we broach these topics, we have to acknowledge that it's hard and we have to do it anyway. We, we can do hard things and we have to do this, right? So constantly encouraging the conversations and, and in the classical music world that will have to include an epic cultural shift, right? So in, in the classical music world, as we've all said, there's an additional element of privacy that comes with your personal life. Um, and <laughs> the, the catch though is that as artists, as creators, we are so plugged into our emotional selves, right? The first time I had a panic attack was I was at a music festival in high school and we had um, some, some speaker musician come talk to us and she was talking about emotional vulnerability and the importance of being emotionally vulnerable so that we can create better art. So she's like having us close our eyes, doing this exercise and talking about like reaching down deep and, and feeling that, that vulnerability. And I had a meltdown. 
because I wasn't comfortable there. And that was, she was so right, right? Like we have to be plugged in in a, in a really different kind of way to, to do what we do. So to be plugged in in that way and not be able, quote unquote, to talk about these things, we are setting ourselves up to bomb, to just, to, to really struggle. And so much of our lifestyle also contributes to issues with mental health, right? So as classical musicians, we are spending hours in the practice room. We are taking auditions and reaching for opportunities and constantly being let down. We are going out to bars or smoking weed to like recover after a tough practice session or whatever, or hang out or anything, right? That's a social, it's a social thing for us. Um, and, and also there are a lot of times when we don't know what, where our next gig is going to be, right? Those things, isolation, um, feelings of constant hopelessness and, and alcohol and drug abuse are three huge pieces and contributing factors for mental illness and suicide. So, so much of what we do, again, directly connects to worse to struggling mental health. So to bring it back to your question, we have to be able to talk about these things openly and acknowledge that, yes, this is mental health. Yes, this is emotion, but it's also our brain. There's science behind this. There's data. Those are factual um, contributing factors for mental health and suicide risk, period. We need to treat it just like any other kind of health issue. This is brain health, just like it's physical health with our body and practicing, just like it's heart health, right? With, with anything, it's an organ that needs attention. And yes, as artists, yes, as people plugged into our emotions, that is part of it. And this is an objective issue that we can't just not talk about. Thank you. Yeah, just to, to touch on a couple of things that I, I think were really important that all of you have said. Um, this idea first of a community of people that, that can have these conversations, I think, has been hugely important. Um, and that's something we're definitely all trying to build is this, this community, this group of people that maybe we meet every other Thursday night at our coffee table events, or maybe they see these interviews or listen to the pot or whatever they do um, just to feel a little bit less alone and that there's a group of people that are, are working to make this better, um, I think is, gives me a lot of hope. Um, so that's, that's really great. Um, and Alex, I'm really appreciative of your, you know, nonprofit knowledge for our organization, because I think, you know, we want to jump in and do things really fast. And, and I think it's good that we have somebody being like, okay, let's work out the details first. Let's, let's slow down. And I think be really intentional about things. And that's been super helpful. So thank you for that. Um, I'm, I'm so glad. Um, and it often feels like in this work, like you don't know what you're doing, right? Like we're meeting every week and we have these events scheduled. And I always find myself like late at night thinking, oh my gosh, but like, what am I actually doing? Am I helping anybody? Is this, is this worth it? I'm not getting paid or if I am, it's not much. 
and like, you know, I got to hustle, right? Like, is this, is this really worth it? And so it's moments like this when we're able to sit down and talk to each other, or it's like a couple of weeks ago when someone messaged me and said, hey, you know, I heard you say this at this coffee table and like, thank you so much. And it's the comfort that I grow to have in, with each conversation, sharing more about me. That's what's worth it. And people are, are always saying like, well, what can I do? Like, how can I help? What, what change can I make? And the truth is like, you're doing it. You're showing up, you're doing the work, you're talking about it. And that cannot be ignored. That is so huge and so impactful. And we have to be able to appreciate that even just these conversations make all the difference in the world. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely second that. Um, one thing I definitely want to credit CMRT for, um, similarly to what you said, Alex, hearing from people after some of our conversations, um, is I, I think there's this thing that happens in our specific musical community where we know that we're going to experience X number of rejections. We know that it's expected uh, that we will spend this amount of time every day isolated. And so it becomes this thing where there's like a certain amount of suffering that we have normalized as being necessary to succeed in this field. Um, and so what happens a lot is when we experience, you know, distress or suffering or anxiety or whatever it is because of, of these various factors, um, we don't see other people showing it. And so we don't show it. And so this weird thing happens where your inner world, the way that you experience the world and think about yourself is completely divorced from what you show the world. Your inner and outer worlds are, are like opposite. Um, this has happened to me. This has happened to other people that I know where where, you know, maybe you sit down and finally you just can't take it anymore and you open it up and you say, okay, I have just been, you know, these last couple of days, I have just been suffering with, you know, this crippling guilt or anxiety or whatever it is. And people say, my God, I had no idea because you don't show that to the world you, that only lives in here. Um, and so I think one of the most powerful things that we uh, have done and need to continue to do is to, to make people feel like that doesn't have to be the case, that whatever your inner world is, that's okay for you to, for that to be your outer world. Dude. <laughs> um, I wanted to just like jump in and say a comment and like, what you just did just now is what CMRT is doing for, I feel like is doing for a lot of us. You, you're, you talking about this, this experience of like, we have an inner world where we have these feelings and then there's that particular outer world that we disconnect and show our quote unquote face. It's like, uh, I've had this experience so much where I, I disso quote unquote dissociate like my actual feelings. And it, it, it became, it, for me specifically, like my anxiety has come to a point where I have a really hard time validating these feelings um, of like guilt of suffering. Like I have a really hard time validating that because I have had that like stuff, like the, the quote unquote artist life. We all talk about like how you're gonna live the quote unquote artist life. And like, there's a degree of suffering that's there. And it's like, 
that's also like a thing in this culture that is like not healthy like <laughs> and i think we're especially in the time that we're living in now where we are like just literally like looking at every facet of culture our cultures like race um music culture the music world like to like finally like look at these things and say now wait a second that's that's toxic like like it's so important and so just to have like this moment right now where ben says like we have this inner world and outer world it hit me so hard just now because i was like i actually have been experiencing this the past couple weeks and it's a reason for a lot of the anxieties i'm i'm having um and i can now fully acknowledge this in this space because like i have you been opened up in the way where i felt comfortable to be like yes i feel the exact same way so ben thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> you're welcome thank you for sharing <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think this idea of normalizing a level of suffering, I think, got me kind of thinking. Um, we recently had that coffee table event and we talked about practicing. And I think practicing being in isolation is really hard. And I, I, I don't, I felt so bad saying that for such a long time being like, I hate practicing because then it makes me sound like I don't want to do the work, but it's really not about the work. It's about this feeling of, of being alone that, that makes the work harder. Um, and I think I'm just having this realization right now. Thanks guys. Um, that I think I've been avoiding this isolation and suffering during the pandemic by not practicing at all. So I, that's just a, a point I wanted to bring up, but do any of you, what are some things that you guys have done, you know, during, this time whether that means just making your mental health things that make your mental health better during this time i mean I, alex did you alex nelson did you want to say something or i i was gonna totally switch gears and and <laughs> switch gears <laughs> sorry i just this is always what happens right we sit down and we we get going with each other and we're like oh yes and okay for those who are we're not watching, but who are just listening to this, if you can see our heads right now, we are all just like, oh my God, yes. Like so much head bobbing, so much like clapping because we're keeping ourselves muted on Zoom. You cannot see, but we are all like, yes, preach. It's amazing. Because that's, and hopefully for those watching at home, that's happening for you too. Like things, things are coming up like, oh yeah. And you're able to identify. And again, like that's happening with all kinds of people in this industry, in this world who are having these conversations. It's that validation, that, that word validation is so, <laughs> Kevin's snapping, um, that word validation is so important. And I constantly find myself saying that word in therapy. I'm like, I just need the validation. And, and just saying it out loud and having someone accept, like hear that and, and acknowledge that, whew, makes it all so much better. And that is, when I talked about culture shift before, that's, so completely different from the experience of those before us that validation of suffering and and um not like this is it you're expected to be in pain and like we're not going to talk about it because that's just the way it is but the validation of okay this hurts and i'm having a hard time 
and you know, I'm okay right now, but I, maybe I won't be tomorrow and I need some support, right? There, I, I've worked with teachers and professors who are not open to having those conversations, who don't understand those conversations, who have judged me and taken away opportunities for me because I've shown quote unquote weakness because I'm struggling. And that, that um, those, those two words being linked is so, in, so incorrect and so backwards, but that's what's been linked for so long. And so it's a, it's, and that's the stigma. So breaking that stigma after being trained by professionals and in a community, in a world where that's just the way it is, it's not only the work that we have to do to undo our own um, brain, like, like the, the messaging that we've gotten our whole lives, but, but trying to change it in general, right? Um, making sure that even if you do share your struggles or share your weaknesses, no one is going to hold that against you. And you've got to find people who are going to fight for you. And so we need to create like an army of musicians and people in this business who are ready to effing change it, like put our foot down and put a stop to the silence and the judgment that comes with any kind of brain health issue in the field. I love that, this idea of creating an army of, of musicians who are <laughs> very aware and in, in tune with themselves, I think is super important. Um, yeah, I, I, I've told, I think Alex, this story, I had a professor uh, who was very close to me, uh, saw my Facebook posts about mental health and said, brought it up to other people in my studio and not me and said, Alex should be careful. You might see this interview, but he said, Alex should be careful about what she posts on social media because people might not want to hire her. And I, I sat with this for a little bit. And at first, of course, I was angry that he didn't just talk to me about it, but I know that he wanted what was best for me. I know that he was looking out for me, but he is part of this generation that culturally does not talk about these things. And I think now, I mean, what I've learned, I obviously did not listen to him because I'm literally starting this organization. <laughs> so, and now I work in the mental health field, so I don't know what to make of that. But I just think, you know, there are musicians that respect me more because, because I talk about it. Like people who are in like positions of power um, that are still giving me opportunities, even though I talk about it and because I talk about it. So I think if that's that's some proof right there that I think we're we're on the right track. Yeah, I think one thing that goes along um, with just talking about it is I I had an experience also with the teacher um, with whom I was very close um, and who I felt like I could really open up to about um, all this stuff in a in a very deep way and what I was experiencing um, and I and I loved him for that um, and one thing that he did that I think we can all try to do is you know, when you're having conversations, these difficult conversations that must be had, um, it, it, you know, it's not always clear what to say and what to do and how to respond. And you're there and you really truly want to help, but what, how, how, how do you help? Um, 
And one thing that he did that I found great um, is he just like heard me um, and made me feel like I could be vulnerable and could be open. You know, he wasn't trying to be my therapist. Uh, he wasn't trying to tell me what to do. He was just like, you know, my ears are open, my heart is open, um, and you should, can feel like you need to say what you need to say. Um, and I think that's a really important thing for us all to remember as we strive to have these conversations, um, is just to make each other feel like we're heard. Ooh. I have so much to say about this. And if we had three hours, I could just, just let me go. Just let me run on this topic. Um, but like, yes, absolutely, Ben, the idea of holding space. I love that phrase. And for me, I learned about that phrase when I was grieving after my cousin's suicide. And the ability to hold space for somebody is exactly what you're, what you're talking about. Just being present in that moment. And that's why, you know, when I, we were talking about the things we love about ourselves, each of those things that we shared are things that help us hold space for other people, right? And I think that's also why we're so drawn to this work because we're, we're good at holding space and we know how important it is. And when I say holding space, I just mean, yeah, being, being with someone in that moment, not trying to fix it, but acknowledging that pain because with grief, you, you can't fix grief. There's nothing you can do to make someone else's grief better. So you just have to hold the space and love that person. And that's so hard for people to do because it's uncomfortable to not be able to solve a problem, right? We want to fix things. Every person wants to fix things. So when someone has a problem, how many times have like we shared a problem with someone and they immediately offer it a solution, right? And, and there you are hurting. This person's giving you solutions, like trying to fix things. And now it's back on you. And you don't, you don't want to be unkind to this person. You don't want to tell them like, that's not helpful. I've definitely said that before. Um, so we just like smile and nod and we say thanks and that's the end. But our feelings still, we haven't had an opportunity to be seen and have someone say, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. I love you. I wish I could help, right? Or what can I do, right? That's all we need, not fixing which is hard and it's a habit that we, have to, that we have to actively break ourselves of. And, and I'm thinking about all of the times that I've done that. I did it yesterday. I did it yesterday to a friend who called and um, was just having a hard time and I was distracted and I immediately jumped in with solutions and I hung up the phone and I could tell that she was disappointed. And I, I made a mistake. So I texted her later and I said, hey, you know, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to throw answers at you. I get it. Um, I see that you're hurting and I love you. And if you just want to talk, I'm here for you. So I was able to, to go back and, and try and fix it. And just that acknowledgement of having made the error and then, try, and then promising to do better next time as, as supporters, right? As we're trying to help people, that's so important. And Alex, talking about your professor, if there are, if there are people who are listening 
who are guilty of this. Maybe people after having been in the field for years, decades in this field, professionals, the top of this field, if, if they're finding that they've been guilty of a lot of this, right, of like putting up the emotional wall when someone opens up because like, nope, that's uncomfortable or nope, that's unprofessional. Or if they've said like, oh, I'm going to judge, I'm, I'm judging that person because of a Facebook post. There's always time to change. You can, you can recover from that with a newfound promise to do better. Just do better, even if it's just for your family member or your partner or one student, try to be present for them instead of jumping to solving the problem, which is so comfortable. It's, it's the hard thing to do to be present, but it's, it's the thing to do. And anyone can do it any day, no matter how many years you may be screwing up with this, right? I love that. I think something that I had to learn was how to tell people, I had to learn to tell people to ask me what I need and for that I needed to know what I needed. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I, mm-hmm. I had to communicate with like my sister and my dad who I'm very close with and sometimes and to say like, look, like when I'm having a problem, I don't always want you to tell me what to do. Sometimes I just, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And they're like, well, how are we supposed to know? And I was like, just ask me, <laughs> just ask me what I need. And I think you get better at it as you practice it, right? And, and when you know a person better, you can obviously gauge these things better. But yeah, I think getting into the habit of just asking people what they need in that moment is, is huge. Um, it's huge. So I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And it's, it seems so separate from mental health issues, right? Like in our minds, like there's mental health issues and there's like how to be a good friend, but it's all in the same spectrum, right? So there's space for everybody in these conversations. You don't have to be like, you don't have to have a diagnosed issue. Um, this is a conversation for everyone, everyone in this field, which is why everybody is welcome to be listening to this podcast at home. You know, you don't have to have like anxiety or like take medication or see a therapist to be listening. Um, maybe that should be a big disclaimer on the website. Like we are for everybody. Good idea. Uh, real quick, just for people that are listening to the podcast itself, like Ben's up in here crying. I'm like holding my chest because it's like, holy cow, like this is, this is a feeling like, but it's just like everything that, that we're saying in respect to quote unquote, holding space for someone. I think we as musicians are so ingrained in like, ingrained in our practice to like play things perfectly and like the space that we hold for the art itself is like is it's it's specifically solution oriented and so like the fact that we i mean i'm just thinking back i i'm gonna say my undergrad teacher laura schaefer incredible incredible woman like helped me through so much of like anxiety that I didn't identify as like true anxiety um, by giving me solutions on oboe things because 
Lord knows the oboe is a whole thing. But like, until we got to the point where it wasn't an oboe-related thing and it was a knee-related thing, like, it, like, it helped me realize that like there needs to be a space that ne that we should hold for one another where it's like hey i'm feeling this way about this piece right now and like it's like i don't need you to give me a solution i just need you to like know la scala de seta and this this articulation section is pissing me off I don't wanna, I don't want like your solutions because we've talked about the solutions over and over and over again. I just want you to know that like this excerpt is a pain in my ass or, and like, and I mean, that's like me making this like super lighthearted in that respect. But like, if we just simplify it to that and to know, oh yeah, you know what? I found that really, really hard too. Like, it's like, yeah. like, you know, Oh, wow, I'm going into the whole thing. To know that, like, a professional has struggled in this way and to be like, yeah, I've, I've been there too. Like, I think we, especially as younger musicians uh, in high school, we, like, grow up to idolize specific musicians and to think they're superhuman. Um, and I'm not going to lie, Laura Schaefer, if you're listening to this, if you ever listen to this, I think, I hope you do. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> If you're listening to this, like, I thought she was a god, like, the way she played every single time, it's, like, superhuman. But then, like, I sat down with her and, like, there have been so many moments where I've seen both of us, like, go through, like, a reads! Ah! And, like, to see her go through that, like, was such a moment of, like, okay, I can do this and, like, I can have this space where I can be frustrated and it's okay. And like, wow, sorry, my brain is like... No, go off. Again, <laughs> we are, all of us are like, yes, Kevin, absolutely, thank you, right? But like, it's just so, it's to know that like, we can hold space for that, to allow ourselves to hold that space is so important, you know? And like, if there are any teachers out there listening to this, like, we are very appreciative of all the lessons you give us. It's incredible. We connect with you in, on, on that, in that respect. And I, I like, also just like, if we can request something, if you see a student like that's just having a day or like is not quite in the space where you're not connecting with them, it's not like, maybe you don't need to give them a solution. Maybe you just need to sit with them and be like, all right, I know you're having a hard lesson today let's let's give it a second or if you feel so comfortable to like ask that question ask that question um because like none of us are nobody is and unless you're a therapist or a professional psychologist like none of us like have the experience to like truly dig into those questions but to just feel heard I mean, I think like all of us right now are in feeling heard or like feeling validated in that way to just feel heard and to not be told like, you're a little crazy, like, <laughs> like a whole other podcast episode that we can <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. crazy. <laughs> but to just feel heard, like, would be 
it could make that student's day or it could help that student through a particularly hard time. Um, okay, I'm off my soapbox, y'all. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. That was fantastic. You know, I think our best teachers are the ones that, that make us feel that way, um, in my opinion. You know, some people prefer to have maybe tougher teachers where you go in, you play your lesson and you leave. And I think that's, you know, becoming an older model of teaching, but I think social emotional learning is incredibly important. And I'm sure we all have feelings on that, especially you, Alex, <laughs> as a public school teacher, you can probably agree. Um, she's nodding emphatically for those uh, listening right now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this has been fantastic. I, I'm just so grateful that you're all part of this team and I'm just excited. I'm excited for everything that you guys have to offer and it's really meaningful that you're all here. Uh, I want to wrap up with like a completely out of nowhere question that I just thought of. I want to know what your favorite quarantine song or artist is, has been through the pandemic, even recently. Oh, Ben is ready to go. Let's do it. I mean, I like already loved Hamilton and then the freaking Disney Plus movie came out and then I watched it like 12 times and then my family has this book which has all the lyrics and like annotated like things and I'm like digging it and can sing like entire numbers from memory and it's great yeah I love that so much also a huge Hamill fan so I'm, I'm with you on that Kevin or Alex oh she's pointing at me y'all okay I give I'm guilty um Ooh, that's so hard because I consume so much. Um, I'm going to say there, so this week, if I am being completely vulnerable to all of our listeners, has been a higher anxiety week for me. Um, and Jacob Collier, uh, he's an incredible musician, jazz musician. Um, he just released his third, uh, his album called entitled Jesse Volume 3, so it's like the third of four installments, I believe. Um, and there's a song called In Too Deep. And like, it's just like, it's just a, a song where I can just sit and like, hear the harmony and like, just like vibe and like, ugh, yeah, that's, I'm just thinking about this. I'm gonna listen to that song right after all of this because I want a vibe. <laughs> um, Alex Nelson. Um, okay, so I am famous for just listening to Spotify, and then if a song comes on that I like, falling into a deep dive around the artist. So that happened to me actually a few months ago um, with the rapper, uh, rapper No Name, who is a Chicago-based artist. Love No Name. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, like, female, Black artist, really incredible lyricist in talking about like sex and politics and gender and race and it's oh my god it's there's so much juiciness in there and um the you know the the multitudes that exist as a woman as a black woman in rap and in that like art artistic industry um there's just oh it's just so good and just good fun music to listen to so it Helps your ears, helps your brain, heart. I just, I'm all about no name right now. It's great. That's awesome. What about you, Alex Hoffman? I've been really into Billie Eilish lately. 
like hardcore. Her new song, My Future, they, she performed it live at the, the recent uh, Democratic convention. And I was just like, oh my God, it messed me up in a good way. It was so good. So I've been, I've been really into podcasts recently, but uh, Billie Eilish is a close second. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. But thank you guys. This has been lovely. I love all of you so, so much. And I'm so happy you're here. And I'm excited to maybe see all of us in person in just a few days for our for in-person meeting. Kevin, I'm gonna see you later today, which is exciting. Socially uh, distanced. Socially distanced, yes. Stay in safe. Meeting. Remember, stay safe. Yes, yes, masks on and everything. And uh, but thank you guys. This has been wonderful and you're great. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Alex. Love you guys. Thanks, Thanks. guys.